0: This episode is brought to you by Cite, who is helping researchers better discover and evaluate scientific articles via its automatic classification of whether a citation was supporting, contrasting, or just mentioning. Everything Hurts listeners can get a 30% discount for a year of Cite. Check out the show notes for details. Welcome to Everything Hurts. My name is Dan Quintana from the University of Oslo, and I'm here with James Heathers from Cypher Skin. James. As always, when it happens, when the Hertz car rental company gets in the news, we get tags by all these people who were, t- we're talking about the Hertz,
1: <laughs> the Hertz
0: car company. Um, these all these investor types people. We, you know, we get the odd complaint. <laughs> I am very tempted to retweet the complaints or just to answer them. Just go on, mate.
1: <laughs> you, you, ab- you absolutely should. Um, I, a friend of mine. Um, who is a, uh, a physical therapist who works in Florida? Unfortunately for him, his name is Scott Morrison. No. Now, the reason that Dan said no in that tone of voice is, is this is the exact name of the Australian <laughs> Prime Minister. And you know, if you look, is he a popular boy, James? Um, Scott Scott Morrison in Australia, the, the, the PM, the Prime Minister. Oh, I'd say he's sort of like cabbage sandwich, uh you know, unshelled fried oyster level of popularity. Um he's he's a toilet gentleman, um with toilet policies, doing toilet things. Um but my friend's got the PT and he's obviously quite a committed PT, so if you go through his Twitter there'll be things like knee functional assessment. Just exactly how does it work? Um which is not the um a commitment to uh, domestic and foreign policy one might expect from the <laughs> prime minister. So the, the the confusion is 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 not justified. But every now and again he um, he gets a message from someone going, <laughs> "I don't like your agricultural policies. You give of fuck." How does he deal do with that? Does he, did he- <laughs> and, Well, what he started doing then is he said, uh, "Please talk to my media advisor," and then he tags me. And then I just wind these people up.
0: I'd love to find a the post this. Up I'd really, love to post really, this.
1: It's like as much as possible. Usually, usually, I'd say two-thirds of the time, they, um, they realize they've made a horrible mistake. They either delete their tweet or ignore it completely. Um, every now and again, people go, ha-ha, I apologize. I was not after the American physical therapist. I was, in fact, after the prime minister of this country. But every now and then- Every now and then, once or twice, maybe three times, they take it seriously. Because, <laughs> you know, I, I'd say anything. It's like we only- we but, but that's only, unbecoming only... of, a, of, a, of, a, of a prime minister's yes, office. Yes, <laughs> it's unbecoming of the office to say, like, any criticism <laughs> of my administration must be written on a, a photo of a flamingo and then uploaded as a picture because that's the only way we accept comments. I mean, I just- That is- I could think of fucking hundred things like this at the top of my head. So we've been we've been trolling these people who just can't check what they're doing for years, and it's great fun. So what I'm trying to say, Dan, is you should definitely reply on behalf of the Hertz Corporation.
0: Let's do it. Let's do it. Um,
1: it's 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 a lost opportunity. I'm surprised you haven't been doing it already.
0: I think I think I've done the old retweet from time to time. Um, but I'm thinking eventually the old Hertz Co- Corporation. He's going to want to start at their own podcast what's our price James if they want to come knocking on the door <laughs> <laughs> what's, <that? laughs>
1: uh, what's our price yeah um, uh, let's, let's say let's say a hundred large but I want it all delivered in nickels
0: yeah let's do it because that, i um, look
1: every company every yes. sort of. I want two. I want two million
0: coins. Send me, send me those coins. Every company's starting a podcast these days, and we 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 have the um the, the perfect handle for them. So Hertz Corporation, if um if you're listening, um, what was the asking price? Two million. Hundred thousand
1: dollars in nickels. Hundred
0: thousand dollars in nickels. There it is. That's it. No less. No more. You've um raised a very interesting topic. T- talk about for this episode, James, and this is the difference between talk and action in scientific reform. Can you walk us through your thoughts here and what you wanted to cover?
1: Well, obviously, this is something that's been on a lot of people's mind for a while. Will we just talk or what will it result in if we talk? And as per usual, there are a series of overlapping issues that I will now explain in nauseating detail. But this was crystallized for me by a really interesting piece. Um, I can't remember where this came from. Uh, I was in Connecticut the other day, so I was uh, accessing uh, the internet from Connecticut, and I think an algorithm chose me for this somehow. Um, Either that or someone posted it, but it's a hell of a coincidence that a, uh, a story that was published in the second week of September, I believe, is something that would have popped up immediately after I just went to Connecticut and, you know, accessed the internet from it. And it's a story about anarchists, uh, an, an anarchist collective, uh, a little group of people who build illegal housing, basically. Uh, they come up with uh come up with this sort of shack like uh, business you know build build a build a house out of old pallets um, knock it together uh, make sure it's assemblable quickly um, put it in the back of the truck drive somewhere for land that's not being used of which there appears to be a great deal in the united states um, and then they slap it all together in the middle of the night um, and let someone let someone live in it and you know, it's a it's a shanty kind of thing, but they perceive a housing problem. And the way that the story goes, they just got sick at some point in time of sitting around and talking about, you know, when when will all of our ideas come to fruition? Uh, you know, I have no idea. Same time next week for the meeting, um, <laughs> as is as is so often the case in so many areas of human endeavor. Um, it continually reminds me of a, a, a sketch from the 80s um, from uh, which had the, the Not the Nine O'Clock News crew and um, some other comedians performing at the Secret Policeman's Ball um, where there's a bunch of cult members on a mountaintop um, and they're, they're ushering in the end of the world and the end of the world doesn't come. And so they just pack up all their stuff and say, never mind, same time tomorrow. <laughs> Which is not the center of the joke. It's more sort of it's revealed at the end that their preparations uh, to be consumed in the fires of the destruction of the world is just Tuesday. Uh, so there's a <laughs> there's a, a difference in uh, a difference in kind between the perception and the discussion and the action and the actual preparation. Uh, But these anarchist lads really got me thinking about the occasional complaints that you see when people who would like to change everything, or at least a lot of it, um, how the scientific comments are organized, how universities and academic institutions and research institutes are organized, how they hand out money, how money is awarded how jobs are structured, how they work, how retirement works, how hiring works, everything, how publication works, how standards within those publications work. What does a publication look like? How is information communicated? What is the entire digital ecosystem for disseminating scientific information? There's someone out there who wants to hit it with a Stilson wrench and build something different from the bits they knock off it. And... As might be expected, frustrations bubble over a lot. People will more than occasionally opine. Oh, fuck it. It feels like nothing's getting done. And I thought that was a really interesting thing to think about. Now, I've talked a lot and I obviously have a considered opinion on this because it's been knocking around my head for a few days. But I want to know what you think, you special man with your glass of pinot noir and your supercilious smile i'm not Go on. i'm not sure what did you initially think when you said i want to talk about this i initially
0: thought that you were talking you you were going to talk about the fact that reforms are too slow and i was going to disagree with you that reforms are too slow and i think they they they're doing okay but you're talking about a larger issue of of larger institutional reforms um, which I think I, I largely agree with
1: you. Well, it's just, it's just like starting from precisely what you thought the topic might have been and then just by necessity within the discussion working out from there. So, yes, yeah. what you were thinking too is- um, Yeah. Perfectly legitimate.
0: But I'm not sure your example is the best one because your example, you have these anarchists who are like, okay, let's solve this housing problem. We're going to solve it for someone in our community or, or someone else that will give to them and we'll build a house somewhere in upstate New York and someone will live in there. And and that's fine. That'll that'll work. But a lot of the issues around academia um, are collective issues in that you have to get 90% of people to agree for things to actually change. It can't just be some anarchists who are going to start their own journal. That's going to happen, but that's not going to change a lot. So, I think those- as soon as you started using that that, that example, I'm like, I'm not sure that is the best example. It's a a false- I said
1: it was something that made me think of it. There is a lot that can be done in many, many reform projects that people are already doing. And the principle of, well, I'm done talking about it, we need to like, pick a side and, and direct action needs to be performed is perfectly well visible in many things that are happening now. What you would say is that they do not meet the categorical definition of something that is a big reform. So, I mean, obviously, we've, we've talked about registered reports a lot, but even, even the, the, the very large consortia-level data collection projects Uh, are are, a reform under this particular umbrella. Certainly, they represent people doing something radically different Mm -hmm. via direct action in order to solve a broader problem. So, maybe they're simply thinner examples than you had in mind, but you're absolutely right in the fact that- um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> For the example to take really well, I think these lads would have to eventually become the housing ministers, <laughs> you know, or, or get get elected to the local government and change the zoning laws or something like that, which presumably they have no interest in doing because yeah. that is not within the philosophical commitment of anarchism. So, yes, there is, there is a certain degree. But I mean, what you're talking about is the, the sort of the, the great suck. That's at the middle of everything, where you have a series of institutional factors that are mutually reinforcing. So you cannot simply start kicking them in the shins and trying to change them wholesale. But certainly, there are things that you can do locally. So something, something that I've said many times before is like there's there's an awful lot you could do, especially when it comes to sort of open scientific practices. There's an awful lot you can do without really pissing anyone off anymore. Um, While there can be some pushback sometimes, it is perfectly legitimate to pre-archive your Accepted papers. It's perfectly legal. Before you sign the copyright away, it's perfectly legal to put it in public space. The vast majority of the time.
0: And this wasn't normal um, about m- ten years ago.
1: Not at all. Most, yeah, most, most of the most of the time, in most circumstances, it's perfectly acceptable to pre-print something that hasn't got to that stage yet. Most of the time, it's perfectly okay to archive your code and give it away, or or to. Include a note that says I'll send it on request, and then actually send the fucking thing. Whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> which, hi, hi. Which, <laughs> which, which some people, which some people, I'd say maybe sort of a sixth, maybe a quarter of papers have done. That's At kind least of what that was about the, that was about the figure that I remember from um, uh, the the grim paper where we asked for many, 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 many of them. Um, and of course, in, in a lot of scenarios, it's perfectly, it's perfectly okay to give your data away as well as the code. So the vast majority of the time, you can do all of that and not get into trouble for committing a radical act or trying to change anything. It's regarded as an adjunct to the existing processes rather than um, trying to reform them. In many respects, most small commercial organizations would try to change how science is done are much more radical than anything that's happening within science. When you say, well, let's completely fuck off the whole idea of journals and have an interconnected network of uh, individually identifiable pieces of data. That's radical. Um, But as you say, this is where the buy-in problem really hits.
0: I remember, sorry, go on.
1: No, no, I was finished talking. I'm watching you talk now, creepily.
0: I, I remember there were these people that proposed, I, I don't know what the, um, the the status of this was, but they were essentially proposing this concept where you, as a researcher, say, I pledge to only publish in certain types of journals. I forget what the specifications were, whether it was just society journals, whether it was just open access journals, um, but um, you actually set the pledge saying when... Um, 10,000 researchers agree to do this thing, then I agree for my name to go public and I'll pledge to do this thing. So, this, the idea of this was to get around that idea of getting that critical mass. So, if if you don't reach that 10,000 or however many you think within your field need to be agreeing Hmm. to this, then it's never revealed. But if you say, for me personally... If 10,000 researchers all put their hand up and say, I'm never going to publish in Elsevier, in Elsevier again, and you're happy with that, and bang, the the, the, the number ticks over, and your name will be published there, you're totally fine because you because you know that the majority of these people aren't going to do this. I think that is an okay solution. I'm not sure how it's going in, in practice, and I'm not sure whether people would just put like stupidly high figures for when they'd be happy. <laughs> for, for, for the names to go on this certain thing, um,
1: but I, I think that well, I'm also not sure anyone cares. I mean, something something like that needs to have a a kind of a core movement where people are extremely committed to it. So, if any one of those barriers is crossed, the people need to be involved. I'm sure the vast majority of people, considering that was a, that was some years ago, mm. as far as I remember, I don't know where that's. I'm, like, sure, no. the vast ma- I'm sure the vast majority of people who signed that um, have fucking forgotten. Honestly,
0: until the name appears, <laughs> in uh, yeah.
1: Well, imagine, imagine that they're working away quietly in the background, signing people up one at a time. Suddenly, it gets to 5,000, and then, um, you know, uh, like immediately 800 emails go out. Hey, you remember two years ago how you <laughs> said you were going to do this thing? I'm here to hold you to account. I think most people would delete the email, that's just how people work, yeah, especially now this is it this is a very you, you find this at times of sort of great human stress people have very little time for principles that they think they should have rather than principles that they do have you know this is a, a perpetual problem with reforming. The reasons that people feel like it's so fucking slow is that we all feel we should do something, yet we are beset with the circumstances that we have. And you can try like hell to change them. But in many respects, that's much harder than existing within them. And it's already hard to just exist within them. There's a tremendous, I, I, I'm detecting, especially over the last three months or so, a tremendous dissatisfaction with people that I, I talk to who just have the um, people within the entire academic infrastructure. i just talked to a lot of people who've got the shits worse than they've ever had the shits before. In many respects, people with the terminal shits, PIs and professors and assistant and associate professors and lecturers. Who are, well, I mean, a, a lot of the time the discussion is provoked in the first place because I did what I did. And I was very loud about it because <laughs> you can't see me shrug on the radio. Um- <laughs> <laughs> He's shrugging folks. Um, so... I don't know if I'm simply more available for those conversations or that they're happening more, but I really do get the distinct impression that they're happening more now. It's obviously a COVID thing. Well, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, but, uh, partly, definitely. Partly, definitely. Um, the the great sort of, there's been a, a few months, this has been building very hard in the US of a sentiment that just goes, fuck my job. I'm, I'm, worth, I'm worth more than worth But this, this isn't just happening in now, academia, this is happening everywhere. Well, yes, I know I, exactly, but I mean, it's like, a, as a, I don't know if it could be a manifestation of that, but a lot of the time it feels like it because people, the internal machinations of how a university is constructed as a large organization and how a laboratory, even a very large, well funded, successful one, is run as a small organization, the difference between these things is stark. A lot of labs are in many respects a lot like a startup. Yeah. But a university is nothing whatsoever like a startup. And there's a huge culture difference. Um, and anyone who's worked for, uh, in a in a startup who's trying to do enterprise sales and deal with larger organizations will realize very quickly just how different the cultures are, about how long it takes to get something done, about who you need to talk to to be able to, Push something along. The speed, the urgency, the commitment, the the headspace—it's all wildly different. And universities right now, especially with oh Christ, all the the all the money coming out and all the vacillation about the positions and all the the flip flops on hiring and the terrible policies and confusions they've had around vaccination for yeah. uh, undergraduates and graduate students. Um, And in-person versus remote uh, attendance, a lot of them have just handled all of this in a way where you'd you'd think somewhere in some media office, there was one competent person talking to someone in some policy office where there was one competent person. And that both of them would talk to the president or the chair or the uh, board of deans or somewhere and go, here's how this shit has to work because of the basic practicalities of stuff, you know? You run that through your local regulatory thing. You look at what all the other organizations are doing and you make a decision as opposed to what uh, many of them did, which is either make insane decisions or not make a decision at all. Licorice agrees.
0: Raw citation numbers are often used to judge the quality of a paper, but not all citations are equal. A paper might have generated lots of citations, but this could have been due to other papers finding contrasting results, or perhaps they were just mentioning the paper. Looking at a list of papers to see if the citations have been supporting contrasting will take hours, if not days, but with cite.ai, you can generate a report almost instantly for a list of over 27 million papers. One of my favorite site features are its email summaries. I have this set to send me a daily email for when any of my papers have been cited. Not only does this provide a summary of whether the citation was supporting, contrasting, or mentioning, but it also shows the section of the paper where my work was cited so I can see this for myself. My other favourite thing is Cite's reference check feature, where you can upload a manuscript to evaluate the papers that were cited. This is really handy for your own manuscripts, but I also like using this for papers that I peer review and read so I can get a better grip of the work that's been cited. And finally, if you're thinking about journals to submit your work to, you can also explore citation statements at the journal level to see how their work has been cited. If you want to use Cite for yourself, Everything Hurts listeners can get a 30% discount for one year of Cite. Check out the show notes for details. Thank you to the folks at Cite for supporting Everything Hurts.
1: I wrote a thing on my blog ages, ages and ages ago. Um, uh, it was simply called uh, Why, I, "Why I Love Preprints. I don't know, it was twenty seventeen or some shit. Okay. Right? And the 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 central point that's in that is that they're good for me. They fit how I think. Uh, I find it psychologically satisfying to go, I'm going to finish the thing at the end of the month and then stick it out into the public domain and that's the end of the end of the story. Um, They're easy to work with. They send the right kind of signals. They establish precedents. Um, there's no restrictions on what they do or don't have to be, you have know, to change anything of the the, the the language. You get out in front of whatever the fuck is going on that you're talking about at the time. So, in other words, they literally, I don't know if said this at the time, they're literally offering career benefits within the old system. If you just change the mindset, much, I mean, think about it, much easier to do precedence, much easier to display the fact that you were doing the work that was appropriate for you to do. Um, much easier to uh, when when the uh, when the attitude around them changes, much easier to just display yourself as someone who is open for dialogue. And if you end up getting them all published anyway, you've just you've just split that process off. You just put an intermediate step into it, and the vast majority of things that happen in that intermediate step are good for you. It doesn't involve anything more difficult, not really. It's a fairly mild imposition. Um, And there are benefits. Fine, you get to feel good about all the collective benefits, and you also get to enjoy all the personal benefits. I think the vast majority of the time it's the personal benefits that make everything. It certainly has with the the fucking plague, you know, this continual fucking gold rush for attention, people to pay attention to some shit that you just did. It hasn't changed. People, people, people People love that. People love that. Oh, I've just finished the stupidest shit in history. I can tell everyone tomorrow (laughs) and in three days I'll be famous. Right? That's in your benefit. Now, of course, a lot of that is fact free, mendacious, inverted nibbled fuckery. But it is in some sense still good for the authors. Right? So. So, one of the reasons that the things like this are the sort of intermediate steps, I suppose, onto a proper, open, decentralized, more meritocratic kind of collective environment for doing knowledge generation as a species, right? It's an intermediate step, but it's an intermediate step that works for people right now in this context.
0: So, you're saying that's why they're successful?
1: I'm saying that's a part of it. If they were much harder and there were very definite drawbacks, and you were continually thinking of the cost benefit, it would be different.
0: Mm. I mean, I guess a good example there is data sharing. Um, data sharing is not as easy as pre-printing because preprinting, it's as you're already submitting a Word document or a PDF for submission. So all you're Precisely. doing, all you're doing, is uploading that. Um, data sharing, we know there are benefits—benefits benefits for you, benefits for science. Um, but hmm. I think we're doing people a disservice by pretending that it's easy, more so because you have to actually um, have the data so other people can understand it, <laughs> not just,
1: yeah. Not just well, posting. As yeah, any, well, as any data scientist will tell you, right, curation and analysis are not the same, right? Curating things is 100% necessary and hard and annoying, and it requires you to be very explicit about all the steps that you have to be very careful if there's something that you're collecting. It's hard to parcel everything up till it's perfect. In general, I mean, the most analysis, you twist things and you twist things and you change something and you get it to work once. And then you, you do a little celebration, make a graph, and then you fall in a heap and forget about the fucking thing because I mean, you don't immediately proceed to, um, well, let's get it all mugged in numbers so other people can understand it because it's just- doesn't represent itself as a resource that other people get. I mean, one of the benefits of data generation um, is the fact that I think that in general, you get to talk to uh, a class of people who are interested in the data. And those are people that you in general, you really want to talk to. Um, Certainly, that's been a benefit for me. Um, There are probably also citation benefits because people are going to take that data and reanalyze it, um, which a lot of people will do. Data. I've always thought um,
0: that um, having a data set to, to share, which anyone can run and get the same results, um, is is a good thing. But I've seen recent arguments saying that um, an a, a analysis script, which people can't understand, is actually worse than having no analysis scripts altogether. Because a lot of people have anxiety, oh, I don't want to share my data because it's messy. It gets the same results, but it's, it's probably not commented. And... I'm probably taking 50 lines for something that, that can take two lines. What is your what, what is your thought there? Do you think it's fine as long as the data gives you the results that are, that are reported in the paper, even if it's messy? Do you think that's better than having no no data at all, or sloppy data is bad? What's your take on this?
1: Better, better for who? I mean, look, this is also also you. People can be people can be very pissy about this. People can like want more work than something's technically worth. And you can you can hand something over. Uh it can be very difficult to understand the code uh, that other people write in any context in any language. Um people who are really, really good at picking that up in general get paid a lot of money to do it. Um, you know, you just get someone else's code base and then you start figuring out how the whole thing works from scratch, you know, and all the comments say lol, fuck you. Um and you manage to figure out how it works anyway, it's very hard. Yeah? But in general we're not talking about code like that. A lot of the time we're talking about, you know, um, I don't know, some hundreds, uh, some thousands of lines of script that's designed to produce an output. Um, A lot of it is reasonably simple a lot of the time in a lot of different domains. Um, Obviously, there's very strong exceptions to that. So the whole idea that it's worse I, I don't know. I mean, you can you can still work with, if you still follow the logic of bad code, you can recreate it how you'd want it to be recreated. Um, it's a little bit like, I mean, if you were translating a document, if you're completely fluent in two languages and you're translating a document, um, but you worked from a template of a Google Translate or something like that, you know, like in general, you might be able to skip whole sentences. You'd already have the sentence structure ready to go. You could just sort of edit into it. Um, if you want to do it really fast. But I don't know, I don't know if I agree. It's also, I mean, in some respects, there's also limits to how much is really genuinely practical to explain. Because if someone doesn't know if, if it's perfectly well explained and someone doesn't know what it does, it can't ever be your problem. That's their fucking problem. Yeah. Let let them let them let them go to code camp and figure it out. So I don't. I don't know. Some of that. Some of that might be. Some of that might be overblown. Um, maybe it would just be better if um, if we had the, the the freedom to post all our n- nubbly little bits of code. Um, if we had the, the the freedom to do that under the expectation of if someone wants this explained to you, then you should be required to explain it. In the same way, you should be allowed to ask people questions about uh, what's in their paper, and they should be expected on a social level to respond to you maybe um maybe there should be an expectation that you can um you can walk them through the code as well. Maybe that should be thought of as more accessible. But look, this is we're getting off topic here because you can endlessly ask questions like this about something you saw. Um I want your perception on what I've done for years. Because I suppose one of the things that this provoked for me was the fact that, I mean, I'm not going to get on a fucking pedestal here. But we very definitely popularized some previously, me and to a larger extent in many respects, people that I work with have popularized some versions of doing analysis and some versions of doing review um that had no primacy whatsoever previously i mean their concepts may have been covered by other people but they were never done at scale they were never talked about in public they were never turned into uh public action so i don't know to me that qualifies as direct as direct action you know i could i could have written a hundred fucking papers on how science was done badly or, I mean, you can pick up a shovel and you can go out there and you can find someone who did something that is incorrect and you can prove that it's incorrect and then you can hit them with that shovel.
0: Ah, Okay, that's interesting. So, so basically saying what is more useful, like putting the review papers together and explaining why these things are bad or actually going in there to actual papers and doing that. Is that what what you're getting at?
1: Yes, I suppose so Um, because there's, there's lots, there's a lot- there's a lot that's written about reform and scientometric stuff that I think is really interesting, considering work the work that I've done. I think it's really interesting. And a lot of the time, I feel like I'm the only motherfucker who's reading it. But the reason I'm the only person who's reading it in the first place is that my interest comes from having to, like, go out and represent it and kick people in the shins with the... <laughs> <laughs> with 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 related concepts that are, are, are what we work on. So I don't know. I, I, I feel like this this qualifies me as some vague analogue of the scruffy chap in Connecticut with the shanty house. Um
0: and Well it's an example of getting stuff done without without the necessity of collective action. But at the same time, you, yes. would, you, would, you would need that for, for, for writing a review paper. Um, I think it's good because a review paper can be almost abstract. This is a problem and let's, create, let's simulate some data to show how this is a problem. Yet by actually pointing out real-world examples, um, then perhaps that is more useful. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah,
1: thinking I, out I, I loud. I sincerely hope so. I always re- regarded a lot of the work as a means to an end. And one of the important things that comes out of it a lot of the time is the just the utter intransigence and difficulty and general ability to create hemorrhoids in all connecting parties of the journals and authors involved. I think the stories about just how fucked that is are one of the most effective things that uh, that get produced because. Look, the vast majority of the time, with the vast majority of criticism that's done in the way that I have done criticism, like the analysis that's being handed out, it's bulletproof. It has to be because you have to protect yourself. Sure. Yeah? So, a lot of the time, it's very obvious errors. It's very dumb stuff. Um, it, it's it, it's about uh, genuinely terrible or obviously problematic stuff that other people have done that's also relevant to – I mean, I found plenty of stuff in – Never bothered writing to the authors or having a discussion. You just look at it and you go, huh, that's fine.
0: Like that's a p-value of one.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's that's hilarious. Um,
0: Would you have changed so, anything? I mean, once, th- what? Would you have changed your approach over the past couple of years?
1: No. No, I think this is the right approach. Okay. Um, because... So here's the thing that uh, I remember in the the center of one sink fever, and there were about six weeks where someone who wanted to talk about it wrote to me every single day. Um, a lot, some of them were journalists, a lot of them were scientists. Um, some were people in nutrition and dietetics who really hated the guy because they thought he was a, a he thought he was a hack, um, and they were very glad to see the fact that um, someone was directly addressing the problems that they had already sort of surmised within the work. You know, his
0: super bowl study um, had not been retracted.
1: Yeah. Yeah, of course I, did. I, I For some um, reason,
0: I assumed that I just assumed that it was retracted. But it, it, it should be. It has not been. I think 14, 15 have been to date, but that one has not. And I was yeah. very surprised. I just assumed it had been.
1: No, do never, never assume that. People have the ability, though. If people have the ability or the choice to do nothing in a situation that makes them look bad, if they do something, generally they do nothing. Welcome to reality. So the thing that I used to say to people was. That we're we're still we're still a very long way. We're on a very long arc here. I think this applies to all other reforms as well. We were in a very long arc here. That there is an awful lot of people who are in knowledge production. Academia, research, science, whatever. Right. Uh, and there's an awful lot of people who are one step removed from it, either an interested consumer, working in the um, uh, working in the related or collected area, used to do it, etc. And the amount of attention that you need to form a critical mass of people who think this is a problem is much, much bigger than you think it is. So why don't we think about, why don't you get back to me? Not when we found one professor, one sink. Can't fucking add up. Three sample sizes from the same sample described differently in each in, in, in the individual paper. Uh, <laughs> people eating phantom crackers, fucking horse children, all of that, right? <laughs> why don't we ha- Why don't we have a conversation when we found 40 of these people? I'm mean, going to pull the number out of my ass, but I remember saying it at the time. Why don't we have a conversation when we found 40 of these people? Because it's going to be a very different environment. There's a lot of people who need to hear it, and this is partly, I mean, partly it's underlying how this needs to be done, like what the assessment needs to consist of, right? Which is, in many respects, is still very much like mathematically not fully established. But there's there's so much in the big bucket. There's so many people that need to have heard of it. That when we're talking about 40 big cases like this, then we're going to be talking about, oh, how much is the, do you think the reform's doing anything? Do you think it's bad? Do you think it's bad? Those questions are going to stop. And the the environment is going to be much more, well, something needs to be done. Um, And people will pay attention past the level of those who are just interested in the problem or reform-minded. The amount of light and heat you need to bring to something like this is much bigger than people think it was. So, I mean, when that happened, I was already thinking about the next 39 cases, like how are we going to get to over the next decade or whatever, the amount of the sheer amount of tomfuckery that needs to be revealed in order for this to be properly appreciated. And that is one component of my perspective on, Well, God, it takes an awfully long time. Yeah, it does. Sorry, pack an overnight bag. Reform is slow. Institutions are slow. People are fast. Institutions are slow, like molasses on a cold day. Slow. The amount of time it takes to convince lots of people who just aren't... congenitally interested in this sort of thing, slow. The amount of time it takes for all of this to filter into governments that make decisions about science and funding policy, slow.
0: I think there are 39 people out there. What? I think there are 39 people out there.
1: I promise you, I am 100% certain there's another 39 equivalent people of that stature or interest or there's- It's just- a mathematical certainty.
0: I always wonder, what if he didn't write that blog post the grad student that didn't say no? Because um, just to give the listeners a bit of a background, um, uh, a couple of years ago, before all this blew up, he wrote a blog post, the grad student that wouldn't say no, and in it, there was basically an admission of some questionable research practices, nothing that's like, you know, alarm bells, sort of like making up data sort of stuff, but very P hackery sort of things. And then people started taking a closer look, uh, based on this thing. Like, do you ever wonder that? What if you never wrote that? Would this, I
1: don't, I don't wonder about it because I'm certain
0: it never would have come out without that or
1: absolutely not.
0: Okay. Wow.
1: I think to some extent, I, when this started, um, back in the day, um, with all the people who, uh, worked on it, um, I was the only person who'd heard of him and I'd only heard of him because uh, I did some exercise physiology courses and the exercise physiology courses had nutrition components. And uh, I I spent a very long time, you know, eating food in cafeterias with people who did nutrition and dietetics and shit like that. Um, And I used to do a lot of fitness writing, fitness world kind of stuff. And in that context, the book had come up, and one of the first things I said was, um, "Well, I mean, this sounds really shitty and stupid. Uh, this is obviously an admission of, uh, you know, torture the data until it confesses, which is like in a in a bad way as well. Yeah. Not just sort of like, oh well, just try try a slightly different filter setting. It was more sort of like kick the fucking bejesus out <laughs> of it until you find something that you can publish on it. So it's all it's it's all crap, you know." Um. We we, we we put it in the same like practical basket as fraud. while well, it very clearly isn't because it isn't fabricated, right? Um, if it's sort of if it's equivalent to, if it's of the equivalent trustworthiness of, you know, then it, it doesn't it doesn't really matter to me. I don't give a fuck what you were thinking when you did the bad thing. I just want people to know it's bad. Right? Um I did not have the imagination, I've told this story many times before, I did not have the imagination at the time to think that someone could fuck up research that simple. There's one famous experiment, Dan, where um, it was a matter of they, were, they had skinny glasses and they had fat glasses, and they asked people to make an estimation of the amount of fluid that they poured into them. Okay. Uh, and they continually got it uh, wrong. It was continually off. It's part of the whole sort of mindless eating ethos. Sure. Um, and then after they did that, they took it to a professional bartenders and professional bartenders did it as well. This is a story that I, I remember from the book a million years ago, and I distinctly, clearly remember reading that and thinking, well, how could you fuck that up? The measurement is absolute. Yeah? Mm-hmm. We're talking about milliliters in a thing. Um, you don't even need to like put a ruler up the side of a glass or put it into a thing. If you know the, the, the density of the fluid, you can just put the fucking glass on a scale. And that's it. So, the measurement was going to be 100% accurate. Yeah? The ability to make different conditions, there's never going to be any uh, lack of clarity around the conditions. You know? Short glass, fat glass. thin glass, big glass. Small glass. Whatever. Like, you're always going to get it right. So- if there's a nice, clear, straightforward result in that, how could you possibly get it wrong? And that was my initial impression of this, is that, like, a lot of it has to be right simply because I didn't have the imagination to realize how someone could fuck up something that simple. Nah. Yeah. And look, I mean... You can you can think of all of that as an analog to our central question here of why does reform take such a very very long time? How long did all of that exist before anyone paid the fucking slightest lick of attention?
0: Uh, years. there
1: there were a few there were a few blog posts here and there, and then there was a sort of like general rumbling and scuttlebutt that you can find if you googled carefully enough about how this study was shit or that study was a problem, but it didn't represent anything. It was just some isolated complaints. Um, and I think even uh, a few short years ago, I think it was a. Um, it was still regarded more as sort of crazy person on the internet behavior to complain about something in an
0: unauthorized outlet. blog, a blog. A weblog.
1: Yeah. I think, I think on a weblog <laughs> of all things, uh, I think uh, Pubpeer more than many other things, has done a great normalizing job of this. Totally agree. Um, Simply because there's now a place for it where you uh, do not have to get involved past um, any certain degree and because have you ever watched Pubpeer over the course of a day? No. Do you have any idea how much shit there is going up on Pubpeer in any given day? What do you mean? And the vast majority of it, I'd say probably more than half. I mean, I've, I remember watching recently. It was some, probably somewhere between 12 and 20 entries over 24 hours. I don't know if that's typical. It's just possible, yeah. right? Uh, about somewhere between sort of like two and three dozen. Um, I looked through, and this was a couple of months back. I, maybe I was bored that day or some shit. I don't know. I don't know why. I was just watching the, the things come in like I was a stock ticker. But more than- more than half of it looked- I mean, the vast majority of it is biological. I should add that, I mean, at this point, um, but more than half of it, you looked at what the problem was and what it represented in context. You tried your best to understand it. More than half of it seemed entirely legitimate to me. What's the other half? Now- Yeah, but oh, you've got to understand. I mean, there's sort of like there's 170,000 comments on it or something. I don't know the exact number. There's a lot, yeah? that's every day that's every day it's open that's fucking crazy i wonder what percentage of authors actually respond um s- uh, some like some yeah
0: i mean but, but yeah some the, the, the funniest um, comments I mean, i'm i'm
1: i'm looking i'm looking at this right now i mean it's affected by i've 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 washed out um i've washed out in my mind things that had multiple comments didn't count i'm talking about an initial comment everything with one comment right Hmm. Yeah. Now I'm scrolling down now, and there's way, way more today than there was. Maybe I looked on a quiet day. I don't know. I've never looked at this in um, in any serious detail. But this is more like right now, or just in general comments. I would say there is three or four per hour of someone looking at something. Um, and the vast majority of this, the vast majority of this is this is heavy duty shit. You know, I pick one at random. Um, okay, here we go. Um, and that is a duplicated area between. Oh, it's Elizabeth. Bick. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. Working hard. Hello, Elizabeth. Elizabeth. Hello, Elizabeth. Um, and she's absolutely right. Those two sections uh, of different conditions are. Identical. That's a problem. Yep. Okay. And it's being represented. So, there's the same picture being represented as two separate images. Now, if that's like once an hour on the hour or some dumb shit like that. Oh, oh, they figured out where it came from and they made an unintentional mistake. Whoopsie doodles. If they I responded. Yes. Well, um, I mean, it, I'd say it's 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 not uncommon for authors to respond. It's not uncommon. Um, yeah, this is th- this 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 is what's happening. Um, the it's it's just incredibly difficult to tell this story. And this is what, this, this is the thing. I mean, this, you're talking about this sort of. Fire hose of bullshit now, right? And then here's me saying that the full expurgation of this environment in public tied to, like, big scary cases that people pay attention to might could be another decade. Mm. That should scare the fucking shit out of everyone. Yeah. That should scare the shit out of everyone. And I hope, I hope that if there's one good thing that the plague has done, it's made the microscope for everyone collectively looking at this a lot bigger. And it's going to shrink that decade into something less. Because we, we always thought something really bad could happen. And I think some of the really big problematic cases um, were really good examples of that. Um, some of the bigger, crazier uh, homeopathy papers, obviously. Um, Wakefield, certainly. Uh, some of the cases in uh, anesthesiology and spinal research were designed to Heart rate, heart rate to variability in,
0: in the moon. I get asked about that at least once every few months. Which one? That uh, the moon phase affects heart rate variability.
1: Oh, couldn't give a shit. <laughs> um, I, mean, but see, so I mean, you see it affecting people, but I'm, talk- I'm talking about something that's killing people. Yeah, yeah And wasting money. Um, yeah, and it's obviously, look, they all go into the same proximity of problems, you know? I mean, what happens when eventually the government ends up putting $50 million into hearty Mooney research? Um, maybe that's the kind of example. I mean, it's still on a continuum of, Jesus Christ, that's a lot of money and we shouldn't be wasting it. Um, it is, it, it, it always held the possibility that just the pure shitstorm around the plague um, at just how how absent any kind of collective organizational body is to be able to say, this is how bad it is in its entirety. This is being assessed in, in its entirety. I'm willing to talk to people about how this works. I'm going to do this. It's a really hard work of managing to kick all this bullshit over. Um, the absence of that always had the possibility to fuck us up as a species really badly. And I am comfortable saying that I knew that well before the plague started to do it. I think at the early part of the plague, I thought that really wasn't going to happen. I thought, well, this is going to be the one time where maybe, maybe this is our calling. Maybe this is the sort of once in a generation, pay attention to, uh, pay attention to the problem. And we all managed to, we all managed to pull together. Maybe this is the, the sort of, maybe this is the Waterloo for modern science as we managed to, like, unfuck this problem that we've suddenly been saddled with as a planet. <laughs> and that did not happen. Um, I had I had almost nothing to say for big chunks of 2020 because I had no certainty. I didn't want to get involved in great big fights about things that I didn't know one way or another. And everyone was so desperate for information and they were all raw and bored and angry. I don't want to antagonize people on the basis of something I thought I knew. And, you know, none of this is from a research area that I'm intimately familiar with. But it all started to change when it was very obvious that big bodies of bullshit papers were doing damage. So, like I said, maybe if there's one good thing here, it's it's these very long timelines for reform and acknowledgement and awareness that are required before something actually gets done. Maybe this, maybe this brings those down. And I can understand everyone's frustration with, well, why can't the fuck we do something now? When are we going to stop talking and actually, you know, do some damage? I mean, I get it, but temper your expectations. Look how we've handled this last 18 months. It's fucking pathetic.
0: On that cheery note, we'll wrap up this episode.
1: <laughs> yeah, I really took us out in the there oh, eh, didn't
0: I? I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but look, it, it's, it's a good point. And I think there are some good examples of things that have changed for the better. Um, the New England Journal of Medicine is now accepting preprints as a result of the, the urgency of, of, of COVID. There's been a, a few different things. Wow. The
1: Hold the fucking presses
0: people are now skeptical about meta analysis, which you may be surprised to hear from me, but I think that's <laughs> like, I, I think, I think it's important,
1: like because, like, <laughs> so do I. I think
0: that's important because I'm the one who's reviewing a lot of these meta analyses and they're slightly improving, but a lot of them are still pretty shit. And I think the pandemic has really highlighted how much damage a bad meta analysis can do. So I'm actually very happy about that because I'm all for doing good quality meta analysis okay but we're gonna wrap up for this episode thanks for listening um thanks for site for supporting the episode as well and we'll be back again soon with some more everything hurts
1: yeah we will we're gonna do something happier next time we're happy guys are you happy dan i'm very happy he's happy bye everyone